You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine, drinking some very loud water over there. The Bengals have won their first preseason game over the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers by a final score of 19 to 14. The first teams in this game for both sides got one drive each, neither of those drives ending in points. Tampa tried to cheat. It didn't work. And the Bengals second and third (laughs) units got a lot of time. We'll talk about all of it, starting with the first team, getting to the second team, getting to the second half, and we'll get you the takeaways along the way. First takeaway, James. Three captains. Can I get a woo? Can I get a woo, Jake? Can I get a woo for the preseason? People are wondering, so I need the answer. No? The answer is no. It's over the goat. Okay, I agree with you. Keep going. Yep. Uh, First takeaway for me, James, three defensive captains in this game. Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard, the three captains. Perhaps this is a reward for camp performances. Maybe that's what was on the line. You know, if you win practice, you get to be the captains in the first game. Maybe not. Maybe it's just totally coincidental. But the Bengals kicked first with those three captains. And the note that I had when watching the very first play of football in 2021 is that Winston Rose was with the first special teams unit. Obviously we're not going to spend time here talking about the first special teams unit, but that is my first note of the 2021 football season. What was your first note of the 2021 football season, James? Oh, the first note. See, I I didn't make that note. You know what I made? I made, damn, look at 58. That that was the one when, uh, well, actually it was probably Giovanni Bernard's first down play <laughs> that that one would have probably counted i was like of course geo the perfect fit you know i was just saying it in my mind a bunch more but no it was osai taking down the goat taking down tom brady look I, I think a lot of people expected him to be good against the run i worried about his pass rush moves and the fact that he just blows by tristan well not even blows by but beats tristan Wirfs because Wirfs was in good position and osai fought him off and you're talking about the Maybe the best offensive lineman to come out of last year's draft class at a, a high-end draft class. And Wirfs obviously played in the Super Bowl last year and had a lot of success all year long. And Osai right away making an impact play. So that uh, that was probably my first note where I was like, all right, that's making my halftime article at allbangles.com. Looked really good for Osai, who was fired out of a cannon on every play. You could tell his motor doesn't quit. The guy has motor for days. Worth noting on the sack that he had the offensive line Twitter experts of the world looked at that play once it got posted on Twitter and noted that it was a failed twist handoff. So what was actually happening there is Tristan Wirfs was trying to pass him off to the guard. The guard didn't get deep enough. The, the timing was a little bit off. And so by the time Tristan Wirfs kind of took his eyes off him to pick up Hubbard, who was twisting around behind uh, Joseph Osai on that play, It was a little too late. Osai had disengaged and managed to finish the play to his credit. And you credit the motor for that. You credit the burst to make sure Wirfs didn't have a chance to re-engage. But it was pointed out by offensive line experts of the world that it wasn't a clean win for Osai, not to be a downer. But people that know more about offensive line play than you or I do, James, indicate that 
this is more of a miscommunication than a, a straight up individual win or loss. But still, you credit Osai for finishing the play, certainly. And also you credit Osai for being with the first team pass rush unit. The first team pass rush unit, when it was a clear passing down, when the Bengals got off the field on that third down with the sack, was Joseph Osai, Sam Hubbard, Cam Sample, and Trey Hendrickson from left to right. So two rookies on the field. Sam Hubbard kicks inside. Trey Hendrickson playing at right end. So certainly credit Osai for doing enough in camp to crack the starting pass rush unit lineup. And unfortunately, he left the game later with a wrist injury in the third quarter, was also flying around on special teams. The guy just only has one speed, which is 100%. And so I had actually, unfortunately, tweeted a play before. We've probably seen enough. I think Osai is, you know, enough better than his competition at this point that he doesn't necessarily need to be in the game. But rookies are going to play deep into the first preseason game and really just an unfortunate fluke injury. And you hope it's not too serious. Yeah, it would be such a bummer. I mean, you're talking about a guy, three tackles, two quarterback hits, the sack that we've obviously talked about and you downplayed and and made it all negative about you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it, it was it was such a like, oh, man, maybe there is going to be a little bit of a pass rush at Paul Brown Stadium this year because you're obviously expecting Trey Hendrickson to do something. Sam Hubbard, we know what he's capable of. And they were doing this without Larry Ogunjobi, a guy who would probably be in on those third downs instead of Cam Sample. So it's like, okay, I could see this if Osai can replace the old number 58 and be close to what Carl Lawson was and be better against the run, but also be a presence on the edge. Like, that's great. And so I was really excited to see him. Hopefully, like you said, it's nothing serious. And Really, that's such a key because as good as this, you know, this secondary has been and looked, by the way, in that first drive, I thought they were pretty good there. You're going to have to get a pass rush. And without that, you know, this defense is going to struggle. But they, they did flash. That's for sure. The first team flashed a little bit. The entire defensive line, I thought, played really well. The run defense was there throughout the game. Von Bell and Jermaine Pratt both had some run stops, but the defensive line played very well on those plays as well. I think the Bengals started the game with three defensive tackles on the field, which I noted because I saw 68 at right end. That's Josh Tupo playing right end. Trey Hendrickson was in on the next play because it was a third down or a passing situation. But I, I believe I noted that there were three defensive tackles on the first play of the game, which is very interesting to note in terms of alignment. And I, I wonder what we'll see in game two when we see a little bit more of the first unit. Speaking of first unit, no Joe Burrow, obviously, but the offense was moving the ball fairly well. We had a, a nice screenplay for Jamar Chase to get him involved. Jonah Williams and Mike Jordan leading the way, uh, maybe a legal downfield, got away with it. It was very, very close either way, but maybe something to, to note in film review and, and work on, make sure you get that timing right. Because, you know, uh, you don't want to lose explosive plays to little procedural things, getting a little too antsy, getting downfield, but really nice play for him. Really good throw. I thought from Brandon Allen to Tyler Boyd over the middle and the offensive line generally looked okay to me with the first unit. But I will say this, James, the one caveat to that is I think that they were schemed to protect the first offensive line and even the second unit offensive line, they were getting the ball out quick. And I, I think that, you know, the lack of vertical attempts in this game, the lack of long developing plays kind of speaks to the awareness of there are a few parts of this offensive line we're not sure about. But generally speaking, I was pretty pleased with the first team offense until a rotational piece and Samaj P. Ryan had a fumble to finish the drive. 
Yeah, that sucks because at at best you, you were going to get a touchdown out of that drive, and at worst you were going to see Evan McPherson potentially kick his first field goal. And I know you tweeted that, and I'm like, oh, you're right. And then it happened again, but we're not talking about the second team, so we won't go there yet. I I think that that screenplay to Chase – look, we've seen Tyler Boyd on third down. That's no shock. That, that's just what he does. But the screenplay to Chase, buckle up, because that's going to be a big part of their game. I think they're going to find ways to get him in space and say, good luck tackling him. And he went for 16 yards. It was the long play uh, of that drive. And uh, I, I just – and he was mad at himself, by the way, that he didn't break that tackle there. Like, he wants to take everything to the house. He, I think, yelled uh, a little profanity, if I remember right, after coming up off the, the ground. But, yeah, I thought that, one, it was well called. And you're right, it, it, there's there's concerns about the offensive line, so they're not going to push the ball downfield. I also think that they probably aren't going to push these receivers downfield. And just one drive, right, you're not going to just say, all right, Jamar, run a – uh, run a deep post, and we're going to try to hit you. I just I, I don't think it was that game. I think we might see that next week in Washington. But uh, I liked what they did, and I was really bummed that there was a, that ended in a fumble because it would have been cool to see Chase or Higgins or you know one of these guys, Joe Mixon, score a touchdown, and instead it uh, and ended ended in a fumble from a guy that doesn't fumble much that I I can remember in Samaj P. Ryan. Hasn't had a ton of opportunities compared to some others in the NFL to fumble much. But yeah, I mean, you never like to see rotational pieces fumble. Pirine and later Mike Thomas had a fumble. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. The last note for one-on-ones that I want to mention, James, Joe Mixon, pass protection, was lined up right behind the offensive line. You know how they do against sugared linebackers, sugared meaning two linebackers in the A-gaps between the defensive tackles. So they moved Mixon up right behind the offensive line. And he ends up manned up, I believe, with Ndamukong Sue on a five-man rush with some simulated pressure, and he held his own. He did not give up a pressure one-on-one with a very good three-tech, I believe. Would have to go back and watch to confirm that it was Sue. Speaking of the second team, second team had a pretty nice drive to start as well. The rookies on the second team defense certainly flashed. We'll talk second team coming up next. If you're hyped about this Bengals preseason victory, Maybe you're booking your playoff tickets. Well, all you got to do is go to betonline.ag right now, and you can wager and take the over on the six and a half wins that uh, had the latest over-unders for the Bengals. Or maybe you saw that Joe Mixon block and you're saying comeback player of the year. Either way, you can bet on that. You can bet on the NBA or Major League Baseball, UFC in one spot betonline.ag. We talk about it all the time. It's fast. It's easy. I've used them. You should too. So go to betonline.ag right now. And when you sign up for free, by the way, and you go to make that first deposit, all you got to do is use promo code locked on and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money that you can wager on your Bengals or elsewhere. Again, at betonline.ag with promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, the second team played the rest of the first half. I I thought we might see two drives from both first teams, the way Bruce Arians was talking about it, the way Zach Taylor was talking about it. But instead, we got a big offensive line shuffle when the offense came back out for their second drive and almost had a tip drill interception on drive two for the defense, which is where we'll start because that's the chronological order of things in the first half. Joseph Osai really started to stand out for me here. Yes, he had the sack on drive number one, and that gets your attention. And then 
the continued effort, the continued juice. I tweeted juice. When I see a Joseph Osai, I think burst, I think juice. I really hope he's healthy because I think he brings a dimension of athleticism that otherwise isn't necessarily in this defensive front as good as Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are expected to be. They do end up giving a touchdown up on their second drive of the game. Joseph Osai and Cam Sample were both play side in a goal line formation that ends up in a run. There were big gainers on that drive in the coverage of Tony Brown and Brandon Wilson in the secondary. So I think some work to do with the backup safeties who looked a little bit overmatched early and later on had some some interceptions, I guess, off a tip drill. So good for them later on in the game. But those are some of my observations from that second drive. I don't think you're going to see Cam Sample and Joseph Osai both be in on goal line packages in the regular season. I think you're going to see Josh Tupo and DJ Reader and Larry Ogunjobi in those roles, the bigger bodies. And they just simply weren't playing at this point in the game. And then hilariously, James, the the cheating bit that I mentioned, Tampa's <laughs> coach, Bruce Arian, showed a, a striking lack of understanding of the rules tonight three times. And this was a first. So Tampa lines up with their special teams kicking unit from the two-yard line as if they're going to go for two. And then they audible, as a college team does, I think I see this in the college ranks, to kick a PAT. But if you kick a PAT lined up from the two-yard line, it doesn't count. And it didn't count. And the thing is, once you elect to go for, for two, I don't know what the mechanism is to move back and say, you know what? No, we're going to go for one. We need to move, move the ball back without taking a timeout. So instead, Tampa just doesn't get the point there. And uh, it was hilarious. They kicked an extra point that just didn't count. Yeah, it was. It, it was weird looking at the time. Like, I didn't think about it. I was busy reacting or, or writing a note or something. And I'm like, oh, they're going for two. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, they're they're kicking the extra point. And did you see Bruce Arians chew out? And I don't know the special teams coordinator in Tampa. I don't know his name. He got crushed. So you said Bruce Arians. I don't know, man. I think it was the special teams coordinator because Bruce was losing his mind on the sidelines at him. Um, but yeah, can you imagine that? I mean, how embarrassing. Those are the Super Bowl champs, and they they're pretending it's 2012 or something, and they're going for the extra point. Yeah, I'm just not sure what the idea was there. Uh, maybe they thought they could gain the system. They found the loophole to make extra points easier and were yeah, testing the theory. I don't know, but second team <laughs> defense, generally speaking, James, uh, non Darius Phillips corners. I was not terribly impressed with against Tampa's second wide receiver group, which is great by the way, including Tyler Johnson and Jalen Darden, two guys that I think would be rotational pieces on many, many teams, not to mention one of the teams with the best wide receiver groups in the NFL. And those guys did make some of the Bengals backup corners look a little bit rough. Darius Phillips was okay. He did get shook by Jalen Darden on the third drive. And I noticed that Mike Daniels was still out there with this unit as well. When some of the guys that were veteran locks to make this team were no longer on the field, maybe just a body count thing, maybe just trying to give a little bit of extra juice to this unit. But Mike Daniels was playing well into the second quarter. Yeah, I I would lean that way, right? You, you know, you don't have Larry Ogunjobi, so all, all these guys are moved up a little bit. And you, someone's got to play, um, and it's one of those things. I don't, I don't remember seeing him after that, right, after midway through the second quarter. So I think that that's fair because, again, at some point, you, you got to have someone out there. Um, but, yeah, Darius Phillips had a couple nice plays. I think it was on the was it second drive 
was it the second drive? I think I, I had, had it noted uh, where he, he made a nice play on the ball um, and then another nice play. So that was, that was good to see at the same time. That's the inconsistency. Cause you get that. And then Jalen Darden, who I like a lot and I think he's really talented and uh, you know, he's going to shake a lot of people. And this Bucks wide receiver core is insane. I love Tyler Johnson. Like, I think he's really good and is going to end up being a good player. I like Scotty Miller a lot. And you're talking about that's the back end of the Bucks wide receiver room. Uh, so it was good for Phillips to, to see that. And to me, I, like if Darius Phillips is your fourth corner or, or your fifth corner, like you're feeling really good. And that's what we're talking about right now. Unfortunately, after that, I'm just going to make a face because I don't really know. Is it really Tony Brown? Because honestly, anytime I see Tony Brown, he's getting beat. And I'm like, why is Dre getting beat like that? Because he looks like Dre Kirkpatrick. He's wearing the 27. Uh, I I don't know, man. I I don't know who that sixth guy is. Like if you get that deep, and I guess most teams are that way, but who you're going to be that confident in. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at as far as the, the Bengals cornerbacks are. Getting to the third team, Jalen Davis and Winston Rose both were involved on tip drill interceptions that we'll talk about, mm-hmm. I guess, coming up in a little bit. But they potentially have a shot. I think that Ricardo Allen's addition makes a lot of sense. Watching the second team safeties that were out there today, I think Ricardo Allen is a step above those guys if they need a substitute to come in and spell Von Bell or Jesse Bates for any reason during the season. That makes the Ricardo Allen signing click in my head a little bit. And so that was a note that I took. And also the last note on the defense, as we're spending probably too much time here, Darius Hodge started to stand out with the second unit in the second quarter and continued to have a monster game. There's a guy that we're going to have to keep our eyes on for the rest of the preseason process. Undrafted free agent, probably was the most productive Bengals pass rusher today. So that is a name we'll certainly have to watch. Five quarterback hits, a sack and a half, one tackle for loss, three tackles total. I mean, he's all over the place. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Darius Hodge, what an impressive, impressive performance. Let's talk about this offense a little bit. We'll probably get there coming up next, but we had a rotation on the offensive line. We had a clear problem at right tackle, which kind of underlines the questions you and I have had about depth. And we had a touchdown for Chris Evans. So, We'll talk about the second team, their offensive drives coming up next. Speaking of talking about, we talk about built bars all the time. They're the number one protein bars on the planet. And heck, some of those Bengals offensive linemen probably could use them so they win a little bit more in the trenches. If you're new to the podcast or if you haven't heard us talk about built bars before, they come in nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor. And the best part about them isn't the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate or that they taste great. It's the macros. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you no matter what your fitness or weight goals are. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there on the market, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the pointless questions from the person behind the desk who's just going to order your parts anyway from some website when you could do it yourself 
from Rock Auto's easy-to-use website. You can do it from home. You can do it from your phone on the go. You can save time, save money. Don't spend 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can get them from rockauto.com. The prices are reliably low for the do-it-yourselfer or the mechanic. They have everything you need from brake parts and tail lamps to new carpet for the interior of your vehicle. Go check them out today at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you check out, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection of reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. James, let's talk a little bit about the second team offense here. First thing to note, Brandon Allen, besides the interception, which I don't really blame him for because Gunnar Vogel let a free rusher get in his face way too quickly. He had to rush to throw. Maybe you can argue he should have thrown it away. Maybe you can say he should have just eaten the ball, taken the sack. I thought Brandon Allen generally played pretty well. And beyond that, the the first note with the second team offense is T. Higgins went back out there. T. Higgins saw Tyler Boyd <laughs> and, and his rookie teammate Jamar Chase get catches on the first drive. And I bet you he was due for the next target to get his catch after Samaje Pirine had that running play. Unfortunately, Pirine fumbles. He doesn't get that chance, and he goes back out for one play with the second team. And maybe this isn't entirely why, but I would like to imagine it's those competitive juices in T. Higgins saying, you know what? I need to get my catch too. Let me get one play. And he manages to convert that first catch of that second drive of the game. I loved it because th- that's that's the balance that you're hoping for if you're the Bengals, right, is uh, Jamar Chase 16 yards, 15 to Tyler Boyd, 11 for T. Higgins, and not necessarily in that order. But my point is, is you want to evenly distribute it among these guys without it being forced and, and it just be kind of in the flow of the game. And Higgins got – it really jump-started that second drive where they were able to start moving the ball down the field. And again, I thought they were going to score on this drive. I was like, wow, this offense is just moving well. And uh, it had as much to do with T. Higgins getting that jump start. I think it was a quick 11-yarder to start that drive. Once you do that, it just you can get into a little bit of a rhythm, and that's what they did. Yeah, they get a little comebacker to T. Higgins, and he takes up field yards after catch to get the first down. They get into a third down situation, hand to Chris Evans. The hole is plugged. He makes a, an incredible spin move, getting Bengals fans their first taste of that Chris Evans athleticism and gets a first down there. And then Mike Thomas converts a first down on a little slant. And then just as he's going down, he gets spun around and the ball gets knocked out. Kind of a fluke play, but Mike Thomas, uh, you could tell he was a little upset with himself. He comes back later on the next drive, catches a little pass in the flat. He runs across the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, takes a takes a pass up, breaks a tackle, lowers his head, bounces off a guy, ends up getting like 20 yards or so on the play, mm-hmm. making up for the the fumble a little bit. But Gunnar Vogel is really the unfortunate standout of these drives, forcing that uh, crazy interception play. He, he gets absolutely worked by Joe Tryon multiple times. This was a theme. And to be fair, this is an undrafted free agent, like fourth string tackle going against a first round pick with a big upside. But you get this interception play where Allen has to force the ball out early, like I talked about earlier. And as the defender's running the ball back, he just kind of throws it up in the air. And Mike Thomas in pursuit gets it back. So after a a holding penalty on Jackson Carmen, I believe, 
when yep. they were in second and 20 or first and 20, they, they get the ball back. They move back a little bit maybe, or maybe they even gain some yards and get a first and 10. So it works out in the Bengals' favor on an absolute circus play. But Gunnar Vogel does not look ready. I'm fortunate that he was thrust into action. But again, we've talked about the tackle depth. And if, if they lose a guy, then they're going to need to make a move because Gunnar Vogel can't be your next man up based on what we saw today. Maybe we need to give the Bengals a promo code like locked Bengal, locked on Bengals 15 or something so they can take that promo code to the NFL and somehow get another tackle because it is so damn obvious that they need one, Jake. Like I, I, Fred Johnson's not there, so Gunnar Vogel is the guy you have to turn to for half this game. Like you're trying to evaluate these guys, and it's just it's so damn hard when you have that big of a difference talent-wise and there's such a, a big gap. And it's just not fair. It's, it makes it tough on everybody. Like, I know Brandon Allen's a backup, but he's also a guy that if he has to play two games or three games, as of now, is capable of keeping you afloat. And I like that. And I don't want him to get injured or get hit or take helmet-to-helmet hits, right, and unnecessary any, – any kind of chaos around him. Like, because I, I do see the value in him, and I think he can play uh, decent and keep your, your head above water if he's got a start for you. So – yeah, they need to go get a tackle. And you mentioned Carmen in the holding penalty. He he was okay in the run game, I thought, a couple times, especially for Chris Evans, who stood out. Ooh, Chris Evans, friend of the show. I guess he is, right? As, as much as I've been hyping him up, he should be. Um, but uh, Jackson Carmen, man, it, it was it was not good. I don't, I don't think it was a good debut for him overall. I think he struggled more than he didn't. And the, the holding penalty, he kind of recovered after the holding penalty for a second – and then they started passing more, and it was uh, it was rough. I don't think he got called for another penalty, which is good, but uh, clearly um, clearly uneven in his play, and that's me being nice. Yeah, he got onto the field for the offense's third drive. So the second team offensive line that was out there was Isaiah Prince at left tackle, who moved to right tackle later. I thought Isaiah Prince actually was solid. Okay. I didn't watch him closely because I was more interested in trying to get my eyes on Carmen and Mike Jordan and. So I didn't watch Isaiah Prince super closely, but I thought he was okay. But Deontay Smith was in with the second team at left guard and the tackles changed. But Mike Jordan and Billy Price stayed in. And then for the third drive, Jackson Carmen comes in for Mike Jordan. And I did think he had a, a couple nice plays on this drive. As you mentioned in the run game, he opened up a nice hole for Jacquez Patrick and led to a first down run after Patrick broke a tackle in the backfield, goes for six yards, the very next play, a four or five yard gain behind Billy Price and Jackson Carmen. They had a really good combo block there, I believe. So there was some good, but the concerning thing was in the uh, pass blocking for Carmen because I don't think that he, when I watched him anyway, like pretty much everything was a quick jump set. He was trying to get on guys right away. And we talked about that being something that looks like it might be a tendency for him and might be a reason that he would translate to guard because you know you don't need the kick slide as much you're playing in the phone booth a little bit more but he's not giving any ground and you generally see guys give a little bit of ground as a pass blocker but instead for Carmen he's trying to quick set guys and this was at times problematic when he'd get hit with a counter move and you saw this lead to a hit in the third quarter where he gets a guy initially but since he's got no depth at all and his feet are kind of flat a little bit on that particular play. 
He's trying to punch a little bit. He's trying to get his hands on and stop the guy. He gets hit with the counter move and leaves a quarterback hit. So something to watch is, is his technique in pass blocking reps and, and what he employs there if he continues to do the jump sets or or not. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I don't think he's ready from, from this game unless he was told, hey, go jump set this whole game, work on your jump set. We'll have to see what he looks like in game two, obviously. But given the depth chart that we're seeing in training camp, it translating to this game, Mike Jordan being the first team guard, it, it doesn't seem like the Bengals coaching staff believes he's ready either. And despite the good we've seen in the running game, it wasn't consistent. So there were some things that you like, but I would say there's some work to do for Jackson Carmen and really for most of this backup offensive line. I thought that Deontay Smith mostly played pretty well getting to the third team and the rest of the game, the second half. Deontay Smith generally, I thought played pretty well. He played multiple positions. He kicked out to left tackle to finish the game and had some really nice blocks in the run game out there. Um, I thought Isaiah Prince between him and Gunnar Vogel was much, much better. <laughs> and those are those are most of my offensive line notes. I guess the other thing to mention would be Keaton Sutherland was the next center oh. ahead of Trey Hill. Yeah. He got holding. blown up badly on one play and holding. tugged a guy on his way down. Yeah, got called for holding. the holding penalty you're talking about. So Seven times it felt like. It felt like seven holdings. I, I think thought, it was two, but it felt I, like seven. I thought it was only the one. I, I guess I wasn't paying super close attention to those penalties, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, second game should tell us a lot more about the offensive line, especially looking at the starters. Hopefully we get more than one drive to evaluate them on. And, and with maybe Joe Burrow back there, judging from his interview, sounds like he kind of expects that he might play in preseason game two. That's just reading between uh, the lines. Could be wrong about that. If, if he, I mean, whatever, I, I if you're really going to be like, all right, you're, you're back at FedEx field, let's play. I would just play him the third week. I would like, I, I just, I can't do it. I, me personally, I, to I be would fair, not do that. Joe Burrow maybe did not misspeak when he said, we'll see if I get out there in the next three weeks. I thought he was talking about preseason and meant to say two games, but maybe he intentionally said three, meaning I'll be out there for week one and I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to let anything get out there. Uh, anybody stand out to you on the rest of the offensive possessions? Trent Nerwin, I think, had some nice catches. Stanley Morgan had some nice catches and was a great standout on special teams, continues to be excellent in special teams. Anybody else stand out to you there? Well, obviously, Chris Evans. Again, mm-hmm. I, I think he's he's got all the talents that, that you could ask for, and he flashed it a bit. His yards per carry wasn't high, but I thought a lot of – uh, his carries, there were guys in the backfield, and he was forced to cut the moment he got the ball in his hands. And uh, overall, I just I think he flashed. Certainly in the passing game, the yards are there. You mentioned Patrick. I think Patrick had a good game in that 24-yard run uh, to sort of clinch it in the final few minutes was the big run that changed his yards per carry. But I thought he was solid. And so you're looking at a, an interesting running back battle. I did like what I saw from Irwin, and that's something. By the way, if he brings in that that uh, end zone target where he gets one hand on it, man. And, and I thought he had a shot at it. I really did. If he does that, now we're really talking because he's really competing with Trent Taylor, Stanley Morgan, and, and uh, you know a couple of these other guys on the back end. Trent Taylor didn't catch a pass. I don't even think he was targeted on on Saturday night. So that's 
uh, do you got a shot? You you might have a shot there. And especially if Darius Phillips is your punt returner. So just something uh, to take note of there. And then the other thing, these kickers, man, Evan McPherson, my man, Money Mick, Money Mick, Jake, Money Mick is uh, is automatic, loved what he did. And Austin Seibert, it's only a sixth round pick, baby. Who's got a sixth round pick for yeah. my man, Austin? Because he's he is for sale. I uh, I was very impressed with Evan McPherson. I haven't seen him kick. He uh, the ball yeah. the ball pops. It's not like he's just making field goals. He's he's putting him at the top of the net, no matter where he's kicking from. I mean, I was expecting him to be pretty good from the camp reports that I heard. He showed more power than I was expecting. Like you, you compare him it. to Austin Cyber didn't miss a kick. He was good, but the ball comes off Evan McPherson's foot different. And it was center cut. It was like picture perfect field goals. And it's not like they were 55 yard field goal attempts, but they would have been good from that distance is the thing. So mm-hmm. very impressed with Evan McPherson. My note there is I wrote down Evan McPherson absolutely crushed a 40 yard field goal. That would have been good from 60. So that's my note on Evan McPherson. Looked like he was absolutely fantastic. Didn't get to see Jose Borgales kick the kicker referendum on UDFA <laughs> versus uh, draft your kicker point to draft your kicker because Borgales didn't even kick uh, on the defensive side of the ball with the second team real quick before we get out of here. Joe Bacci, I thought stood out to me quite a bit. He was in on three pass breakups, one of which was called a catch after review and I'm back to not knowing what a catch is in the NFL. I think there's no way it was a catch. He didn't complete, you know, control of the ball to the ground. But I thought Joe Batchy showed up a few times in coverage. That was pretty nice. Mentioned uh, Jalen Davis and Winston Rose. Winston Rose and Batchy colliding to pop the ball up on the Kayvon Frazier interception. Unfortunately, we had the uh, Osai wrist injury here in the second half. But yeah, Darius Hodge really showing up down the stretch. We've talked about him. So I, I continued to notice him for the rest of the game. So really good stuff there. And, and maybe a guy who's going to push and that'll be an interesting little battle to watch maybe between him and Khaled Kareem, because he wow. was another very dynamic pass rusher. I think that he has a very uphill battle, but I think he must have gotten coach's attention in this game. For sure. In a guy like that, if he flashes, he puts up those numbers in the preseason and that kind of tape out there, you know, he's not making it to the practice squad. Like, you know, you're not going to be able to sneak him on. Um, You know, if he continues to do that, I'm not saying he's clinched a spot on a 53 man roster in the league on any of these teams, but if he continues to be productive and continues to produce with second team, like on the second team, then we'll see. And, uh, but certainly a a really, really good night for Hodge because uh, we're talking about him and let's be honest wasn't like that was in the Locked on Bengals notes at 6 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Hey, we're going to talk about Darius Hatch. No, that wasn't it. But uh, here we are talking about him. Wasn't expecting to talk so much about Joe Batchy either, but he was, I think, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> pretty impressive in this game. And uh, on rewatch, what I'm going to be looking for, James, if I can find a way to rewatch this game, I'm going to watch Jackson Carmen's reps. I'm going to watch Deontay Smith's reps. I'm going to go back and watch Billy Price's reps because I didn't notice him negatively which probably is a good thing. I hear uh, Duke Manyweather is singing his praises on Twitter as we record this. So maybe Billy had a pretty nice game and 
yeah, going to go check out the offensive line in some more depth and, and try to figure out what was going on in the defensive line early and figure out what some of those defensive line rotations were. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Billy can slide into that right guard competition. Center's already spoken for. I don't really think he's going to beat out uh, Trey Hopkins, but uh, I don't know. And I, I don't see moving Trey. I know some people throw that out there. Move Trey to guard. I don't think that benefits the Bengals. So I don't know. Maybe Billy. It'll be interesting. Could you imagine? To- It'll be interesting to see if he gets any run at right guard this week because yeah. that, that's what we need to watch, right? What changes in practice in camp this week? They're going to reconvene practices on Monday. That's the next time we're going to have an episode for you. So we'll make sure we report what rotation changes James observes in those practices. And we're also going to try to get Bengal Sands on the show to see what he saw from a from a scheme perspective, from an X's and O's perspective, as he's going to continue to be a contributor all year to the Lockdown Bengals podcast from a film review perspective, he and I and James will all have a chance to get our rewatches in and get your observations from a from a film scheme perspective, assuming that it becomes available to us, because right now I don't think we can get all 22. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's up early. This will serve as your Sunday, Monday episode, and we're back recording, as I mentioned, after the Bengals practice on Monday. Until then, Bengals fans, Who day? 1-0, baby, and have a good one.